Good morning, and a special good morning to those of you joining us online uh, or perhaps listening later uh, on YouTube. And once again, it's on my heart, I'm sure it's on yours. We pray for healing for Julia and comfort uh, for our brother David. Let's start with a prayer. Father, most powerful, most wondrous, you have blessed us to belong to your church and blessed us with your Holy Spirit. As we gather here and online, we know that we belong together with you. The world you've placed us in is beautiful, and here you provide for our needs. But here, for your purposes, you have also placed evil. You have also told us how you protect us from this evil. Let the words we hear today remind us of not only that evil is on the earth, but that your glory and your power will banish fear from our hearts. We, your church, lift up this prayer in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now this morning I'd like you to, to think about who we are here, not as individuals, but we are God's church. We're the bride of Christ. And, and think, if you will, collectively. And you will see in Psalm 46, who we'll cover, there's, there's not a lot of you, me, I. It's we and our. We also know that evil walks the earth and the church, us together, are under attack. Some attacks are small, they may be slight insults, mocking. Others are, are much more lethal. Psalm 46 is God's word about his response to give us comfort. So let's start with a look at the world and why Psalm 46 needed to be written. The word to begin, world to begin with is a beautiful place. It's absolutely gorgeous as seen from afar. Uh, last night, if you went out, uh, the sky was clear, the, the, the stars uh, in the crescent moon. It, uh, it was beautiful. This morning, the sunrise. And this is just a wonderful place to live. But God allows Satan in this world, in our time, no different than in the time of Job. Let's look at uh, Job. Job 1 verse 7. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. Well, let's consider for a moment where Satan walks today, uh, a map of the world. Uh, this you know, it doesn't look too impressive. Let's, let's look at China. It's a long ways away from us. Uh, but in China, you're forbidden to have a Bible. Not necessarily strictly enforced, but it's the law. Uh, in, in China, there, it's a country, the most populous country in the world, soon perhaps to be overtaken by India. 
In China, actually, the population for the first time ever is decreasing. The church is rapidly growing. The church in China is 20 to 100 million. Now, that's pretty much a, a, a range, isn't it? Why don't we know more precisely? Well, if you're in China, the church is persecuted. If you are openly Christian, uh, you're likely to lose your job, your friends, other bad things, uh, and some much worse than that. China is not friendly to the church. Another thing we might look at uh, is the Islamic world. There's nearly 50 countries where Islam uh, is the majority in those countries. Uh, and in about a, a dozen of them, it is actually illegal to be Christian. Uh, and certainly in, in many of them, it's illegal to actually possess a Bible. So if you're there, you will find that your church is under attack. In fact, the Islamic State, shown here, you look uh, up in the Middle East, Syria, it was much larger, now it's smaller. It calls itself a state. It's not recognized by anyone else. Uh, but it was recognized in 2016 by the U.S. Congress, the British Parliament, the European Union as a terrorist state and one that had a policy of genocide toward Christians. So that, that's pretty stark, though it's, it's a long way away and it looks rather small now. The other little red spot there is Nigeria, the most populous country in Africa. 226 million people, two-thirds the number that we have in the United States. It's a little under half Christian, a little over half Islamic, uh, and there's tension between the two. In, in fact, since the turn of this century, the, the last 24 years, an average of 3,000 Christians have been killed simply for the fact that they're Christian each year. In 2014, 276 young schoolgirls were taken from a Christian school and taken away to slavery. Now, in the subsequent 10 years, some of those young girls have returned. There's, there's roughly 100 that have not. But those that have returned have been allowed to bring the children that they've born in slavery with them to rejoin their families. But they also must have renounced Christianity and adopted Islam to be freed. This past Christmas in the news, and apparently this is common on Christmas, that certain people there attacked churches expecting to find Christians worshiping the birth of Christ, and they killed this year 100 to 200 people, in some cases in horrific ways. Satan walks in Nigeria, but Satan's everywhere. You know, the true map, which you read, and in some cases, it's just that, you know, perhaps your pastor goes to prison for preaching the Bible, which has happened uh, nearby. Uh, you know, there, there are slight insults and mocking uh, on our social media and on the TV. But the point is, the church is under attack. And didn't Paul, near the end of his life, see this coming uh, when uh, he wrote, 
to Timothy from captivity, by the way. It's 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Well, as we can, we will. But in such a world, God is with us. And 2,800 years ago, we're not really sure of the time, a psalm was written, quite obviously under the direction of God. He actually speaks himself within the psalms. This psalm was Martin Luther's favorite psalm just 500 years ago, and it inspired him to write his hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. So Martin Luther found solace in Psalm 46. I suggest that we will too. And, and let me read it to you. Starting with the instructions to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, when the morning dawns, God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, and he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Quote, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. End quote. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. So God is our refuge, is our strength. He protects us, body and soul. We will not fear. It's a good message. So let's dig into it and, and see if we can bring more out of it. The instructions. Okay, it's going to be sung by a choir. It's a song. Of the sons of Korah, According to Alamoth. Now, according to Alamoth just means soprano voices. It, uh, instruments will be higher pitched. But the sons of Korah, that, that 
you know, might distract you a bit. Uh, weren't the sons of Korah, when Korah uh, challenged Moses and God, weren't they swallowed up by the earth? The children of Korah were, we're told in Numbers 16. But also we're told in Numbers 26 that the sons of Korah did not die. And we're not sure these sons of Korah come from that Korah. It could be others. Uh, there are four distinct identified Korahs in the Bible that are different people. But we do know that the sons of Korah, whoever their father was, wrote 11 of the Psalms. Well, now into the, more into the meat of it. God is our refuge. God is. Okay. Is is a simple word, but there's an implication there. He, he is right now, 2,800 years ago, 500 years ago for Luther, today for us. The great I am exists across time. Time is merely his gift to us to help us better understand the world. He is there. You will not escape him in time. He will be there. Our refuge. Yes, he is your refuge. He is my refuge. But he is also our re refuge as his church. Okay. More than shelter, he offers us strength. Now, you've got shelter. He is refuge, as, as uh, Luther puts it, and, and we'll hear later, you know, he is our fortress. Uh, but if you've got a fortress, take some strength to draw up the drawbridge. Uh, things have to be done. And you will see in this world there are things that exceed the, our capabilities and strength. But we are confident that God has the strength and he shares that with us. He is also a very present help in trouble. Wherever trouble finds God's church, trouble will also find God. God is not limited in time or space. Wherever his church is, he is. He's with us. The Holy Spirit is always with us. 2,800 years ago, the psalmists were thinking about God's chosen people, the Israelites. Today, we are God's chosen people. We are the church, and he is with us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? When trouble arrives, God's already here, and his help includes both shelter and strength. Therefore, well, it's an important word. What does it mean? It means that everything preceded what I've just told you. If it is true, then what follows is true also. So let's see what follows. We will not fear. This is the most repeated phrase in the Bible. It takes on different forms, but there's no phrase close to it in the number of times that the Bible tells us not to fear. If an angel greets you, likely the angel's first words will be, fear not. 
Though trouble may be frightful, if we trust in God, if we believe what we've been told before is true, it is our fear that flees. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Well, let's talk about some scary things. Beginning with another important word. Though. What does though mean? It means if you believe what preceded this word, then whatever follows isn't going to change it. So this is true, though, and whatever it is doesn't change. This is true. Though the earth gives way. Now that's a scary thought. The earth giving way beneath you. The Holy Land has many earthquakes. Almost all of them are very minor, but there have been significant ones. Dates in the Bible are, are determined by reference to major earthquakes. They have occurred. The Jordan Rift Valley, the, the eastern uh, side of Israel, the Jordan River, is where tectonic plates come together, and that is the movement of these different plates that cause uh, the earthquakes. The Jordan Rift Valley is an extension of the Great Rift up the east side of Africa. It creates some just absolutely incredible terrain because of the shifting. Uh, but from Mozambique all the way upside the east side of Africa and ending in Lebanon and including the Jordan Rift is this, this Great Rift. So the people in the Holy Land understand earth giving away. Also, though, still means that what we've heard is true and that this perhaps scary thought doesn't change it. The mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Think about that. A, a mountain to move it into the sea. Nuclear weapons can't do that. It just, it's beyond anything human capability to, to literally move a mountain into the sea. You know, perhaps piece by piece over centuries, but to physically cast the mountain into the water. Later, Jesus will use this visual thing to, to emphasize the power of faith. Uh, but in this case, it's, it's something very scary, but it followed however, so it doesn't change anything. So, though, what follows here, it will not change as well. The waters foam, roar and foam. Think of a tidal wave. Water has tremendous power. A, a tidal wave comes in, it, tremendous weight of water and even slow movement. It destroys everything in its path. Water uh, elsewhere creates the Grand Canyon, other things in carving the earth. And if water encounters a human-made structure, it, it obliterates it. Water can be very, very powerful, but it doesn't change God's truth. And for the last one, though, and no, this still isn't going to change anything. Okay. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling, these very massive mountains tremble in fear, 
Think of the swelling of the ocean, the swelling of the water. But that doesn't change anything. Selah. What, what this really is, is a cue for us to pause, to think. God is our refuge, our strength. Because we trust him, we will not fear. Psalm 23, 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There is a river whose streams make glad. Water is very important in the Middle East. It's basically a desert. It has some rain in the Holy Land. It's seasonal, seasonable, and there's not much of it. The patriarchs dug wells. The Israelis there today and others, the Palestinians, dig wells. And there are three major but underground aquifers that provide water. So there is water. However, the Israel, Israel uh, Israelis today uh, get 85% of their drinking water for desalinization of seawater. And they'll also take seawater and take the salt out down to a certain level. It's, it's cheaper. They're not going to get it down to drinking water, but they found particular plants like slightly salty water, and they'll use it for irrigation. Wastewater in Israel is recycled and used for irrigation. Water is so precious, they use it every way that they can. And my favorite, the, the, the Middle East intelligence expert that I respect the most, 40 years ago, explained to me in the aftermath of the first Lebanon war to understand the, the things that go on there that seem not to make sense. You know, you have to understand water. If you're in the United States, if you, know, if you hear people doing things, you want their motivation, you're told, follow the money. If you're in the Middle East, it's follow the water. Wars are fought for water. Things that don't make sense otherwise can be explained if you know where the water is and gaining access to it. Uh, this river that we're talk to, talking about, and it'll be discussed a little bit later, uh, but it's living water. This, this isn't just water, okay? This is living water. And as we were told earlier, when Jesus met with the Sumerian woman at J Jacob's well, uh, he talked about living water. So this living water is going to make somebody glad. Well, well who's going to be glad? Okay. The city of God. Now, of course, back then they're probably thinking Jerusalem, uh, perhaps. Uh, the holy habitation of the Most High. Where does God dwell today? He dwells in his church, the indwelling Holy Spirit that connects all of us. So we are the city of God made glad by the living water. God is with us. He's here with us uh, today. And he provides the water of life described in Revelations 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life.
bright as crystal, flowing from, now get this, flowing from the throne of God and of, of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. If God is in the midst of her, this city, and by the way, city is his church today, she shall not be moved, and we shall not be moved either. God will help her when the morning dawns. Now, we're talking about God's people, the church. God gets up earlier than you do. When the morning dawns and you wake up, you will not catch him asleep. He's up before you. Matter of fact, he's there constantly, you know, ever present in help in times of trouble. He's there. And there will be, he will bring to us a new dawn and establish a new world with a new Jerusalem. That is a hope to come. But now back to this earth and what goes on. He says that nations rage and kingdoms totter. There's chaos. You know, nations might rage, but they do not have more power than the church because our God is all-powerful. And kingdoms will totter because there will be eventually only one kingdom. He's powerful. He utters his voice. The earth melts with just a mere word. Psalm 97. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. And that's a reminder. Angel armies. We heard it in the song. It's in the Bible. Uh, if you look in Revelations, it'll give you a rough idea how large an angel army is, and it says 100 million angels. I'm quite sure that it is larger than that or whatever is uh, necessary to, to suit his uh, needs at the time. But the Lord of hosts is who is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. There will be trouble, but he is with us. Say law. Let's pause again and think. Terrible things have and will happen. But look at how powerful our God is. All powerful. And with him, who is living water and gives that to us, and will always be near to us, never absent, never asleep, we are protected, we are safe, and we should not fear. Come, behold the works of the Lord. So let's look a little more and see things that God does. How he has brought desolations on the earth. When it is necessary... With a snap of his fingers, there's desolation. Think Sodom and Gomorrah no longer exist. That is within his power. But he also has the ability to make wars cease 
to the end of the earth. Halt the chaos brought by Satan. Think of God stilling the waters. If he wants things still, they will be still. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. There will be no more tools, implements of war. And think what this meant to people 2,800 years ago. Burn the chariots. The chariot was the most terrible thing that they could imagine. Uh, imagine standing and facing horses, at least two, uh, charging at you to trample you. And behind them, there's a carriage with a warrior. And he has weapons that he can shoot you with, a bow and an arrow, or to, to smite you with, a, a sword or a hammer. And then if you're able to evade that and off to the side, that chariot has extended axles with blades spinning on it that now will chop you up if you avoid the horses and the warrior. That's terrible. But we don't worry about that because our God will burn them with fire. And then, in God's words, I quote, Be still. Be still. Cease your struggle. Give it to God. You know his power. Let, let him do it. Be still. What do you do when a person of obviously superior stature, rank, or whatever enters the room? You fall quiet. Quiet, you be still. We should do this when we enter into God's presence and know it. Still, in the words of God, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He does have the highest stature imaginable and we can't imagine the truth of it it's it's much more it's not a boast it's a fact then repeat it so that we remember we remember the lord of hosts is with us his church and and it's Revelation 5 that gives us the 100 million angels reference. And also think of Christ talking about host. Christ, when challenged why God didn't save him if he was God's son, and he said that God would send more than 12 legions of angels if he asked. More than 60,000 angels. And, and some of these, you know, these numbers sound huge or whatever, and you got to realize in, in, in the, the Jewish mindset that the numbers aren't important. The message you're supposed to get, it's enough. They're more than enough. These, these numbers are not necessarily precise, but they send the message he has what he needs. He is all-powerful. The God of Jacob is indeed our fortress. Repeat it as he does repeat things he wants us to know. Selah. Pause. Think about it. 
there are threats to God's church, but we, God's church, are joined to the most powerful thing imaginable. And if we trust in that, we shall not fear. Okay. Psalm 46 is predicated on the fact that Satan walks the earth. But we are told that God is our refuge. And if you know that, we, the church, will not fear. It is time now for communion. Uh, those of you at home, if you've uh, prepared something, now is the, the time uh, to uh, gather what you've prepared. You're welcome to join us uh, as well. And I'll ask the deacons to come forward, please. I now invite the church to join in holy communion in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice for us. He was scourged and his blood flowed and he was crucified so that he might bury our sins and the reflection of his righteousness would be seen as ours. So that the Holy Spirit could then dwell in us so that even as evil walks this earth, we will forever dwell in the refuge of his presence. Christ's body was sacrificed so that our sin might die in remembrance 
Take, eat, give thanks. Father, we remember that your son's blood flowed like rivers so that we might have eternal life. In remembrance, take, drink, give thanks. Now go out into the world knowing that as we go our separate ways, we are still united by the Holy Spirit and remain God's holy church. Peace is assured, but we pray that it be granted to us this day as we strive to live a life in constant remembrance of who God is and what he does for us. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for joining us uh, online. We hope uh, to see you again. Uh, and if you would like, uh, I and other elders will be up here to uh, answer questions or talk as you would like. Pastor John back here again. If you are blessed by the service, let me ask you to do us a favor. Would you click on the like button below that little thumbs up? 
If you're listening on Sermon Audio, perhaps you can comment or even share the sermon with someone else. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at WBFVA. We're on the World Wide Web at WBFVA.org. Let us know if you'd like us to pray for you. If you'd like to support us financially, you can make donations through our website at wbfva.org. Just click on giving. You'll receive a tax-deductible receipt at the end of the year. Either way, we would love to hear from you or even have you visit us in person one Sunday. We meet at 46 Winchester Street in downtown Warrington, Virginia at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. And now, may God bless you richly until we gather again.